Wildcard weekend was absolutely crazy. There were so many unexpected games and scores. Today, I will be covering all the biggest headlines, final scores, the best performances of wildcard weekend, and some questions I still have lingering going into the divisional round. I'm Ben Deal, and this is The Ball Pit. Let's dive in. First off, I have to be a man. I have to come clean. My predictions last week absolutely sucked. And with that, I have to say, I apologize to the New York Giants and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I counted you guys out. You guys deserved your wins. And I apologize to both you and your fans. These teams are hungry for playoff wins. And I didn't give them enough credit. So I'm up here. My predictions were not good last week. I think we can all say that right now. But these two teams, the Giants and the Jaguars, they deserved it. So hats off to them. They really did good. All right. Now let's jump in to the big headlines. Starting off with the Giants, that offense was absolutely perfect. And they rolled past Minnesota 31-24. to The defense really did its job, too. Made Justin Jefferson ineffective. Really, really limited Dalvin Cook. Like I said, that that run game's kind of off and on. They did a great job. Offense get a the Giants get a huge team win and are headed to Philadelphia. Brock Purdy, he is no longer Mr. Irrelevant. He is Mr. Relevant. Four touchdown game as he steamrolls the Seahawks 41 to 23. And speaking of young quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence overcoming a four-interception game and leading the Jaguars to a comeback win over the Chargers, 31-30. to It was 27-0 Chargers in the second quarter, 27-7 at halftime, and the, and the Jaguars won 31-30 off a last-second field goal. That was honestly one of the most incredible playoff games I have ever witnessed. We'll talk about that more later. The Buffalo Bills just slide by the Miami Dolphins 34-31. The offense looked a little bit tired at times, especially with three total turnovers from Josh Allen. I'm a little worried about him, especially going up against a pretty good Cincinnati defense. Speaking of Cincinnati, a 98-yard scoop and score by Sam Hubbard helped the Bengals beat the Ravens 24-17. Again, another team that was led by a backup quarterback that almost beat arguably some Super Bowl favorites in the Cincinnati Bengals. And Dak Prescott, the man of the weekend, absolutely cruises by the Buccaneers 31-14. Now, let's be honest. If everybody did his part, I'm looking at you, Mr. Maher, it would be 35-14, to they didn't kick a field goal, as the score might suggest. So let's go over all the final scores. 49ers rolled over the Seahawks 41-23. Buffalo just beats Miami 34-31. Jacksonville comes back over the Chargers 31-30. Now I want to talk a little bit about this game. The fact that Trevor Lawrence could overcome four interceptions is absolutely incredible. That shows me that he is a pro-ready quarterback. He put his past mistakes behind him, and he's told his team. I'm sure he said something along these lines. 
We have to play for the second half. I don't care what happened in the first half. The second half is our half. Let's win this game. This this game is only half over. We're not out of this yet. We need to win this game. We need to move on. This Jacksonville team is young and they are good as well. They proved to me that they can be a top team and I expect them to be good next year as well. And on the other half of that game, the Chargers. I don't even know how to start describing this loss to you other than the offensive coordinator and the offensive play calling absolutely suck. Now, at this time of the recording, I did just receive word that the Chargers are firing their offensive coordinator after the sputtering of their offense in the second half of this playoff game, which is good news for the Chargers and a lot of Chargers fans, but still very, very sour end to the season for the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, we have to give credit just to Justin Herbert because he did pretty much as much as you can under the offensive scheme that he has. He did well. He performed well. He had 273 yards and two touchdowns. He was 25 of 43 passing. Now, what can you really expect from him when the offensive scheme is so simple? There, there's, there's no real meatiness to this offensive scheme under Mr. Lombardi. There's, there's just not enough there, especially with the run game. You see a lot in the NFL. Once teams get a really big lead, it's kind of disrespectful to run at the score, especially in a playoff game. So a lot of the teams rely on the run game to just close out the game, grind out those first and tens, move the ball, kick field goals if you have to, make long drives that bleed the clock out and punt it back. Austin Eckler, 13 carries for 35 yards. Now, he did have two touchdowns, but they were both short touchdowns while they were at the goal-to-go situations. So the run game really let the Chargers down, and that's why they weren't able to close out that second half. They couldn't get anything moving. Now, they were still moving the ball relatively well. They missed a field goal. They kicked a field goal, but they just, without the run game, they're the time of possession in the second half for the Chargers was just so short. They couldn't get enough time off the clock to stop the Jaguars from scoring again. And that's really what shot them in the foot that game. So hopefully under a new offensive coordinator, I don't know who they'll be looking for, but under a new offensive coordinator, the Chargers will be reinvigorated and they will be back next season and they will be better than ever. Now we got to go to Baltimore and Cincinnati, 24-17 to Cincinnati Bengals. Just a disappointing game from the Cincinnati Bengals. You would expect from a top caliber team like this that in week 17 was in the running for the number one seed in the AFC that they would be able to handle a team with a backup quarterback better than they did, only winning by seven points. And that scoop and score from Sam Hubbard being the final nail in the coffin for the Baltimore Ravens. Jamar Chase did his part. He had nine receptions for 84 yards and a touchdown. Joe Burrow only had one touchdown that game to Jamar Chase. It was overall a very disappointing game for the Bengals offense. I really need to see them step up against the Buffalo defense next week for the divisional round. Now, we also saw that in that Buffalo-Miami game, Buffalo wasn't able, able to handle Miami's offense at all, 31 points scored. Now, some of that was on defense, 
but against a third-string rookie quarterback brings up a lot of questions that we will be touching later on. But as of right now, I'm a little bit concerned about the Buffalo Bills. They had a 17 to nothing lead going into this game, and they only won by three points. So a little bit scary on the defensive side. If Joe Burrow steps up and plays a good game next week in Buffalo, I think it'll be a rough time for the Bills defense. New York Giants, they were borderline perfect this week. Beat the Minnesota Vikings 31-24. Their defense totally eliminated Justin Jefferson from the equation. He had a very bad game. TJ Hawkinson actually had over 100 yards receiving, which was their leading receiver for the game. Kirk Cousins had a really good game. He had two or three touchdowns, but it just wasn't enough. The dual threat of Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, both rushing and passing and receiving, they just commanded that game from start to finish. But the man of the playoffs, Mr. Dak Prescott, five total touchdowns, 300 yards passing, steamrolls the Buccaneers 31-14. Now, we also saw at the end of that game when Tom Brady was going back in the tunnel, he tips his hat to all the Buccaneer fans. Is that just him saying he had a great season? Or is that it for Tom Brady in Tampa Bay? Or is that it for him in the NFL? We saw that he retired earlier this year, but then he came back and played this year and eventually led him to have not a stellar year for him, even though he was top five in passing yards and his personal life started to fall apart a little bit as well with the divorcing of his wife so right now it's a little bit hairy as to what Tom Brady's future is in the NFL or with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so that is one of the big questions going into the offseason the big statistics for this week we've got one from each game starting off with Mr. Relevant Brock Purdy 18 for 30, 332 passing yards, four total touchdowns. He put the 49ers on his back. Debo Samuel had over 130 yards receiving. Christian McCaffrey had over 100 yards total from scrimmage. Brock Purdy fed both of them the ball. He rushed himself. He spread it out to his receivers. The Seattle defense is one of the worst, honestly, totally. And the 49ers have one of the best offenses and one of the best defenses. And Brock Purdy proved that in his first playoff game. And first playoff games, we're talking about Trevor Lawrence, 28 for 47, 288 yards, four touchdowns, but also four interceptions. Now, like I said, he overcame those four early interceptions, threw for four straight touchdowns, led the Jaguars to a 31-30 come back win over the Chargers he needs to get those first half jitters off the table because if he performed well in the first half honestly it would have been a more competitive game and the Jaguars could have won by maybe 14 maybe 17 points if they kept up with the Chargers early in that game but they didn't so I would have liked to see a little more from him but still he was the best performance out of that game now we're moving on to Buffalo Josh Allen 23 for 39, 352 yards. Big game for him. Three touchdowns, two interceptions, and a fumble lost. I said this earlier in the podcast. He needs to cut down on those turnovers. It's proven to be a problem earlier in the season 
for him. And he really can't have those kind of mistakes in the playoffs when he's playing against the best teams in the NFL. Now, he did have a good total passing yards. He had three touchdowns on the game. He still did enough for the Buffalo Bills to win that game. But going against a really good Cincinnati squad, he needs to be able to step up and limit those turnovers. Now, New York Giants, we've got two players, and I think everybody knows who it is. Mr. Danny Dimes and Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones, 24 for 35, 301 passing yards with two touchdowns. He also had 17 carries for 78 yards. Now that is just something almost unheard of in the NFL. 17 carries for a quarterback in a playoff game. That is just incredible. But still, over 300 yards passing, two touchdowns, and only 11 incomplete passes on the game. Daniel Jones played out of his mind and led the Giants to a victory. And we also got Saquon Barkley, nine carries for 53 yards and two touchdowns. He also had five receptions for 56 yards. Here's the one knock I have on the Giants offense. They need to give Saquon the ball more. I want to see him rush more. Five receptions, a little bit on the low end, but you know, that's acceptable for a running back, especially an elusive back like Saquon Barkley. But only nine carries, not even in the double digits for carries this game. He needs to get more involved in the running game. Daniel Jones was the leading rusher for the Giants against the Vikings. Now, that's not a problem. Daniel Jones is a great rushing quarterback. I don't have a problem with him leading in total yards. But Saquon Barkley needs to get more touches for the Giants to really be explosive, and especially to win against the Philadelphia defense. Cincinnati and Baltimore, we have two players, again, both from the same team. We have Jamar Chase with nine receptions, 84 yards, and the lone touchdown that Joe Burrow threw. He did his part in that game. A little low on the reception side for his kind of playing, but Joe Burrow wasn't really up to the task for a playoff game either, so I can't knock Jamar Chase for only having nine receptions. And then we're going to move on to the man of the hour, for the Cincinnati game, Sam Hubbard, four total tackles with the 98-yard fumble return touchdown. He won the game for the Bengals. Couldn't be more proud of him. But the overall best performance from the wildcard weekend we saw was Dak Prescott, 25 for 33, 305 passing yards, five total touchdowns. He was responsible for every single point, minus one, that the Dallas Cowboys scored the entirety of the game. He led the Dallas Cowboys to that victory. We need to see this vintage Dak Prescott next week in the divisional round against the 49ers for the Cowboys to even have a chance against that team. Now we're moving on to our final segment of this podcast. My top five questions for a couple of these teams heading into the divisional round. Starting off with number one, we just talked about him. Will Dak Prescott stay mistake-free next week at San Francisco? We saw how well he was able to play against a pretty good Tampa Bay defense without throwing an interception or losing a fumble. If he's mistake-free, he is a top quarterback, and he will shred defenses. Now, we also have to take into account that the 49ers have pretty much the best defense in the league. So Dak's going to have a challenge. He's going to have an uphill battle next week 
but hopefully he's up to the task and he has another great game. He needs to limit those interceptions. He had the longest streak for consecutive games with an interception during the regular season. Hopefully he doesn't revert back to that in the playoffs. Also, can the Jacksonville defense keep up with Mahomes and the high-powered KC offense? This is honestly the biggest question going in the divisional round. They did pretty well against Justin Herbert, but they couldn't limit them getting into the red zone, and then Austin Eckler would punch it in. Justin Herbert threw for a touchdown. Now, Justin Herbert is a lot different from Patrick Mahomes. We all know Patrick Mahomes. He was the best quarterback in the league. He's my front runner for MVP. It's going to be really hard to limit him along with Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and emerging star Isaiah Pacheco in the running game. It's going to be tough for Jacksonville to limit all those guys at once along with Trevor Lawrence needs to limit his first half anxiety against the Kansas City Chiefs because while the Chargers took good advantage of him with four interceptions in the first half. If he does that again against Kansas City, I don't even think there will be hope for coming back against a KC team like that. They are on another level of offense than the Chargers. They're pretty much the Chargers, but actually with really sound play calling. (laughs) If you want to go there, the Kansas City Chiefs have the best offense in the league and a pretty good defense too. Jacksonville's definitely going to have a good matchup and a really tough one at that. And talking about tough matchups, the Danny Dimes-Saquon duo, will they be enough to beat that sound Eagles defense? We've seen it again and again and again. The Eagles defense, they're really good at forcing turnovers. They're really good at limiting the passing game with C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Darius Slay in the backfield. Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley need to be successful. That's why I really want to see Saquon Barkley be successful in the run game. Get 10, maybe even 15 plus carries a game. He needs to be fed the ball because we saw, especially with that first reception, he got 26 yard touchdown against the Minnesota defense. He's explosive and he needs to show that against the Eagles or the Giants will have no chance. But that's going to be one of the best games in the divisional round. But I think this will be the best game in total. The Buffalo defense needs to step up and limit Jamar and Joey B. Now, we did see that Joe Burrow didn't really play up to expectations against a decently good Baltimore Ravens defense. But he needs to step up and be that playoff caliber Joe Burrow that we saw last year that got his team to the Super Bowl. Now, Jamar Chase, he did great. For how Joe Burrow was playing, he had a really good game. But Joe Burrow needs to throw multiple touchdowns. He needs to get Jamar Chase involved. He needs to rely on his wide receiver too, T. Higgins. We can't just feed Jamar Chase the ball every single game. Whilst people are getting to realize that the Bengals offense is starting to get a little one-dimensional. And they're going to attack that. And then what's left, they're going to rely on the Cincinnati defense. Which we saw, again, was just a little bit iffy throughout the game, especially with Eli Apple getting burned a couple of times against the Baltimore wide receivers and Tyler Huntley. We need to see both defenses step up, honestly, but we definitely need to see the Buffalo defense step up as they let out 31 points against a third-string quarterback in the Miami Dolphins. 
And my final question, can Brock Purdy keep his story afloat of being Mr. Relevant? And there is one simple answer to that. Yes, he can. He will. He will prove that he is a franchise quarterback for the 49ers. He will prove that he is honestly a top 15, maybe even top 10 quarterback in the league at this point. He will get them to the NFC Championship game, maybe even the Super Bowl at that point. I don't know. But he is a really good quarterback. He's got a lot of weapons around him. He's got George Kittle. He's got Debo Samuel. He's got Brandon Ayuk. He's got Christian McCaffrey, one of the best dual threat running backs in the league. Brock Purdy is set up for success, and I think he will continue to have success through the playoffs and in the next year. That's something that I wanted to talk about a little bit as well. What's going to happen next year with the San Francisco quarterback situation? I mean, we saw we had trade rumors early this season with Jimmy G. We didn't know where he was going to go, if he was going to get traded. Ended up, he stayed at home in San Francisco. But we also have Trey Lance, who's coming from an ACL injury this year. Now, he should be back and ready to go next year. So what's going to happen? Are we going to see Brock Purdy just be the QB1 the entire season? Are we going to have a little bit of an offseason competition between Brock Purdy and Trey Lance? Could Trey Lance possibly get traded for some draft picks? Because we all know the 49ers are lacking a little bit in the draft pick situation. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if the 49ers are up for giving up on Trey Lance this early because he really hasn't gotten a fair shot at starting a lot of games this year. He's only played, I think it was three games this year before he went with that ACL injury versus Seattle. He needs to have a fair chance, and he hasn't had that yet. So maybe he'll get a fair chance and have a good QB battle during the offseason with Brock Purdy, or maybe he'll have a QB battle at another team. At this point, we're just not sure. But hopefully Brock Purdy will keep his story afloat like I think he will, and he will lead the 49ers deep into the playoffs. All right, everybody, that is the end of the ball pit. I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I did. I will see you this Friday, which I am very excited about this Friday's episode because we will be introducing a brand new series to the Ball Pit Podcast. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be amazing. And I will see you guys next time.